So why do we do the Urantia Radio podcast? That's a good question, and I don't often talk about it. Recurringly, maybe I need to because there are new people joining all the time. I can see from all the statistics that new people are joining, which I'm thrilled. That's why we do it. Why do we do a podcast about the Urantia book? And then we'll get into what is the direction of the podcast. So the podcast... Imagine if this was the, uh, let's just roll back time and let's say it's the year 30 AD and I'm sitting there and we have all this technology and all of a sudden I start hearing about, you know, this guy named Joshua who's running around the country and he's got these new ideas about spirituality and he's got these new ideas that are very contrary to what is, what is happening in the world. Uh, so there's this guy here, and he's kind of a kind of a celebrity. And a couple of my friends are telling me, "Hey, you got to go check this guy out, man. He has some ideas that are just, whew, boy, they'll blow you away, but you'll feel really good." So you know, I finally one day go and I watch this guy, and I listen to a lot of what he has to say. And at that moment, I realized that this guy knows what he's talking about. You know, he's talking about having a personal relationship with God and how that you don't need a church in order to facilitate that relationship, that God has always been around, that there's a specific purpose for life, that it's not all just accidental. And he's resonating with me. You know, he's, he's sharing with me ideas that just for the first time in my life, I feel like I have something that makes sense in my head about reality. And I say, you know what? He's he's asking me to to join in. I don't have to do anything for him, but I do all that's required is for me to just accept this reality and and go forth, right? My life would be forever changed and for the next, you know, 30, 40 years I'm walking around with these same ideas and I'm still in love with them from the from the moment I first heard them. And that's what the Arantia book is. So the Arantia book to me is an epical revelation. Now, you may not think it's an epical revelation. You might still be grasping it. Maybe some friend turned you on to it. Maybe you started reading it. Maybe you were born into a family and they had it lying around. Or maybe one of your parents was a Arantia book reader. Now, I'm describing people that I know listen to this program because I hear from you. And... So I say, well, you know what? I know how to do a podcast. I know a little bit about broadcasting, and I enjoy doing it, and I love the Arantia book. So why wouldn't I want to take my skill set and apply it to sharing with others the bona fide fact and truth of this revelation? And, of course, that's why we're here, because I like talking to other people about it. You know, there's only maybe a million or I would even say that's not even conservative. But according to the publication and the foundation, there's it is as religions go or as ideologies go. You know, we're not that popular. okay? but that doesn't mean anything to me. It just means that the rest of the world hasn't caught up because the rest of the world is mired in 100 years of secularism. 
and scientism and the age of enlightenment and the so-called age of reasoning, which was liberation of thought. And we became so liberated that we moved away and became antagonistic about things like eternal truth. It's what I alluded to in the in the podcast before when I said, if you try to speak to somebody about God and they don't have a foundation, then you might as well be talking to a blind man about the color red. If they don't have a frame of reference, if they don't have some root <clears throat> that they had when they were young, I was fortunate enough to be around people who weren't afraid to talk about the love that they had for Christ. Now, I didn't experience that kind of love as a youth. It took me a long time to realize that God could even be a friend. And it wasn't until I was about 14 or 15 years old that a guidance counselor told me that. And nobody had ever said to me, you know, God can just be your friend. Up to that point, I thought it was, you know, like the principle. You only saw the principle when you got in trouble or you needed help. Um, and I, I didn't know a lot about praying. Uh, pr I see people pray. Uh, I've been to church, you know, it's, I was talking to somebody the other day. It's like, I'd love to go to church and have that fellowship, but I, I just, I'm not wired that way. I, I'm wired a different way. To me, I take a complete holistic approach to God. God is not just one part of my life. God is everything. Everything relates to the relationship that I have with God in that I am here to do two things, to grow in, in, in wisdom and to serve others when I can do it. And I obviously should do more of it. And one of the ways that I do that is I wanted to have a beacon because as the Arantia book and the community was progressing, what I wasn't seeing, even to this day, I would never hear anything about it on the radio. I would never see anything about it on TV. I would never read about it in any science journals. And I'm into science, I'm into astronomy, I'm into history, but I would ne I to this day I see things that people write. I just read uh, uh, about in England they made a discovery that there were at least two DNA strands of human beings around the time of the Ice Age when it ended around 12,000 BC. And I read these articles and I'm like, man, you know, I just want to send them the Urantia book. Because if they were able to read what the Arantia book says, they would know, oh, okay, well, there are multiple strands of DNA. There are the Sangiks, there was the Neanderthal, there were the Andonics, and, and then, of course, the Nodites. I mean, 12,000 years ago is pretty late. Uh, in Arantia historology, 12,000 years ago is like yesterday. I mean, 19,000 B.C., the Adamites were 5 million strong. The descendants of Adam were already 5 million strong. And Genesis hadn't even started yet. Which is why in the first part of, the, of Genesis, you hear about those mighty men of old, uh, those mighty men of old, the, no, the Nodites from the land of Nod. Remember that reference? That's where they sent Cain to. So, you know, if I was in Jesus' time and I was able to do a podcast about Jesus, I would have done a podcast about Jesus and what he was doing and what he was saying and the effect that he was having on, on governments. And I would have been reporting about the Sanhedrin and I would have been to, uh, reporting about John the Baptist getting beheaded. I would have been a de facto commentator 
on the events of the fourth epical revelation. And so I'm not going to lose this opportunity. How many of us will, will someday look back and, and, and be grateful that we were around when the Arantia book was first being seeded, when it was first being distributed, when it was first being translated, when they set up their first conference in Uganda or South Africa or Australia or Canada or any number of places where prior to the 21st century, the Urantia book and Urantia readers didn't even exist. And here we've been given this good gift. Now, you know, a lot of naysayers, people that I know, oh, Jim, how do you know the Urantia book is, is valid? I mean, you say it's a revelation. It's a revelation. What does that even mean? Well, it means new truth. It means new information. It means a, a re, uh, reorientation towards previously thought information that turns out to be partially incorrect. You know, one of the things that we don't know about our history is how did we get here? You know, who built all those giant structures in, in the deserts? And how come they were all built before we had e even the technology to be able to do it? Who would design? Well, the Arantia book answers all those questions. You have to look, you have to read, you have to study, you have to put two and two together. Now, we know from the Arantia book that there was an advanced race. Twice we have two revelations, three really, and they all involved extraterrestrial because they weren't from here. Jesus was incarnated here, but his personality was Michael. He was a literal son of God on a mission, and he had seven bestowals that he had to endure. He had to live life in the existence of each of those seven levels that he and God had created, really, levels of existence. And we are at the bottom of the rung. We are at the bottom of the ladder. We humans... We're at the beginning of a long journey. And we had three different visitations. We had the Caligasti 100, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, or at least in the next episode, which was an epical revelation. It was a, a group of, of people, person, personalities, who came here to civilize man, to tame man, to give him enough, basically teach him the rudiments of civilization. Because at that point, we were basically no better than the beasts. And then we had um, Adam and Eve show up. And that was, of course, documented in the Bible and still with us today. It stretches back into Hebrew history. That was a visitation. Adam and Eve were not from here. Then we have the Melchizedek visitation, Machaventa, recorded in the also in the, the uh, Old Testament, Abraham and Melchizedek, sage of Salem, king of Salem, without mother, without father, without pedigree. He was not a human or at least a terrestrial. He was extraterrestrial in the spiritual sense. And then we had, of course, Christ, who chose this world as his final bestowal to live life as a human so that we would not only have a better revelation of God, but he could also provide a revelation to God of of the experience of being a human being. Now, all of those things make sense to me. Do they make sense to you? Does it seem strange? And then there's the scientific validation. People will say, well, how do you know the book is true? How do you know the book? Well, there have been hundreds that I've discovered uh, of, of morsels of information that 
were asserted before they were discovered. Everything from Pangaea to the way energy works, to the way the sun works, to the way cosmic rays work, to the way nebula. I mean, it's it's quite entertaining, actually. The, if you read the very beginning of part three, where it talks about the history of our world, the history of Urantia, which is a fantastic history book, better than any history book I've ever read. And it starts with not our sun or our solar system. It starts with the nebula from which our solar system came from, like like a birth. And it was a giant nebula that gave birth to 10,000 suns. And they describe it as almost as if it's, it's birth. Our sun was born six, 10 billion years ago or maybe six, six billion years ago. And our sun gave life and all of it is purposeful. And so again, that's something that that was not an absolute scientific fact in 1935 when the book was completed and, and the beginning process of getting it plated and then later printed. The plating took place in 42 and the ultimate printing in 51, I believe, Donnelly and Sons in Chicago. And then it sat there for a little while until 1955 and uh, the foundation developed a charter outlining their responsibilities for spreading the revelation. Now, one reason that the Arangia book is not one of these uh, wildly popular cult type books is because there wasn't a lot of uh, what they call guerrilla marketing. Uh, there wasn't a lot of proselytizing and, and there still is sort of a more passive approach to the dissemination and spread of this book. Uh, of all the uh, religions in the world or faiths, this one probably has the least characteristics of religion because, number one, your your eternal soul is not dependent on the knowledge of the Arantia book. In other words, you don't have to subscribe to the Arantia book to re- re- you know, re- receive salvation. Uh, you know, you it's not necessary, but it will help you. Uh, I used to think of the Urantia book as a self-help book, you know, because when I discovered it, it was during those years that were very tumultuous, you know, the early 20s. And I soon realized it wasn't there to help soothe my ruffled feelings. It was, it was cold, hard truth. And there's a lot of truth in it. In fact, I want to share some of it. So when people say, why do, you, why do you share this book or why do you have the podcast? Well, I just kind of explained it, didn't I? It's you, it's, it's authentic, I believe validated. Uh, it, the validation is continuous. I mean, if you heard any of the podcast and you listen to some of the other people that come on the podcast and talk about their experiences, uh, I don't know, they sound pretty convinced a lot of people in the Arantia book are a lot who who read it are a lot smarter than I am, and know a lot more about history. And uh, so, to love the little ding. Anyway, before we get into our subject, I want to play for you a couple of things that came across my desk. They were able to turn sound. Uh, you know that we're constantly being bombarded by cosmic rays that seep into our upper atmosphere, and it's what causes the auroras borealis, the northern lights. You want to hear what it sounds like? 
they were able recently, this is from 2013 or something, it's a few years old, but it took a little while, but somehow they were able to turn that electrical process into audio waves. So this is what it sounds like as cosmic rays from the sun and elsewhere are entering the Earth's upper atmosphere. This is the sound of our, mag uh, of our magnetic poles. Here we go. listening to the sound of pure energy. Anyway, that's uh, from NASA. Here's the sound, but here is energy that somehow they were able to digitize and turn into audio waves of the energy that we detect from a black hole. off the scale. Unbelievable. That is the sound of energy uh, being emitted from a black hole. It's just amazing to me. It's, that's the physical aspect of, of the universe. It just blows me away. All right, so there's a little treat for you. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. And if you want a copy of it, uh, I'd be happy to email it to you. Just email me at yourranchbookradio at gmail.com, yourranchbookradio at gmail.com. So that's why we do the podcast and that's why I'm excited about the revelation. And it's one of the few things that I think really, if more people knew about it, uh, it would make their life so much better. And I hope in a small way, what we talk about here makes you feel better about life. So we'll do it again. Thank you again for stopping by the Urantia Radio Podcast. Uh, email Radio at gmail.com. Hope you like the new logo. Hope you like the... Uh, slight tweaking on the website i encourage you to stop by there as well and that is of course your rancherradio.net until next time god bless this is my home now you yourself called it a destructive race that's true but still there is another side you see i 
I love them. This is a very strange thing. I, I, I can't find a way to explain it to you. I, for many years, I, I cursed my luck for being sent here. Human life is difficult. But as this life is coming to an end, I, I consider myself lucky to have lived it.